your Bibles, click over to Joshua chapter 10. This is to encourage you that as you, you know, head, as you're reading through the Word, you're heading into Leviticus and Numbers. <laughs> and going, oh, really? How do I get through this? You know, this is where you start dropping off from your seven days to five days <laughs> to two days to one days. But on the other side is Joshua. <laughs> Alright, and there's some good stories in the Vedigas and Numbers anyway. But once you get through to Joshua, you get into some, some more cool stories which might encourage you to get through. So, uh, persevere, push on. If you're finding it hard, just double up what you're reading and then you get through quicker. Yeah? Father, we just want to bless you for this time together. We thank you that we're in your presence that your glory surrounds us. Father, I pray revelation deep down into our spirits. Our hearts and minds be changed and turned towards you. In Jesus' name. Alright, so context of what we're talking about here is They've come out of Egypt, you know, one of 40 years. They've come in, they've conquered Jericho. Following Jericho, they conquered a city called Ai. And then these, these guys called the Gibeonites, they sort of looked at what had been happening and went, we're in trouble. So they got a bit sneaky. And they um, got, you know, three or four of their guys and, and they put them on these, these old sort of camels and stuff and... And they got stale bread and these old um, water bags that were all cracked and, you know, sort of had it. And they dressed them up in old dusty clothes and pretended they'd travelled a really long distance. And these guys went down as representatives to Joshua and they said to Joshua, look, we're from a faraway land, you know, somewhere that you'll probably never go. But we've heard what God's been doing with you guys and the, you know, the victories you've had. And we just want to make sure that there's no problems between us and you. So we just want to do this treaty where um, you won't come and wipe us out and we'll leave you alone. And Joshua fell for the whole, we're from a long way away. In reality, they were from just down the road. And rather than seeking God, they got sucked in and they signed this treaty with the Gibeonites and said, no, we won't wipe you out. And then they sort of rocked on down to Gibeon and discovered that these were the people they'd made this treaty with. And it was the next city that they wanted to take on. And so Joshua wasn't happy, so he said, okay, that's it. We've got a treaty. Look, I can't break the treaty. You know, we've made this treaty before God, and our word needs to be true to what we say. So we're going to make you our slaves. You're going to become the woodcutters and the water carriers for us. You're going to do all that work for us. And you'll be like, so, yeah, fair enough. Okay, that's better than dying. So this is the treaty they made. Now, you get to verse 10, chapter 10, where you've got the kings of the regions around there. They start to get worried. So they say, look, you know what? The Gibeonites, because Gibeon was what they called like one of the royal cities. It was one of the big cities of the region. Right? It was a major city. And so the other kings of the other cities that aren't even as big as Gibeon, 
they all get together and they go, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna sort of draw a line in the sand and go, okay, Israelites, you've come far enough. You're not coming into our territory. You're not taking us off one by one. So we're going to join together and we're going to stop this. The way we're going to do it is we're going to attract the Israelites directly because that doesn't work for anybody. Everyone gets wiped out of that. So we're going to actually attack the Gibeonites because we know they're in treaty with Israel. And we're sort of going to defeat them and set a line in the sand and going no further. And so they did. And they came down to attack the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites sent a message to Joshua saying, we're under attack. We've got a treaty. You need to come and defend us. So Joshua goes up, all the Israelites go up against these five armies. So it's like five nations against one. And they rock in there. And verse 7 says, Joshua went up to Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I have given them into your hand, that a single man can stand before you. So... The first thing Joshua does is he seeks God. He learns. When you go into battle, don't assume. But seek God. And so my first point today is, whatever you're fighting in your life, the first thing you need to do is seek God. If you have a health issue, or a finance issue, or a job issue, or a relationship, whatever thing is, too often we just go, oh God, we start praying healing and so on. But your first step actually is to seek God. And say, God, what do you have to say about this situation? Because it's very easy to get into presumption rather than into faith. Right? <coughs> presumption is, I know what God's word says, I'll just apply it. And that's why the other week when we're talking about, you know, we broke into groups and I think Rhea was talking about it, you know, the finance, uh, sorry, um, Rebecca was talking about it. You know, we had the finance group and we had the, the health group and we went, God, what do you have to say? Give me a word about my situation. And that's the first step in any battle you're in. Because your battle is never against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, isn't it? And sometimes we forget that, right? You know, people come at us, situations come at us, and we get annoyed at the situation, we get annoyed at the people, and, and we just want to go out and fight everything and everyone and anything, you know? But you've got to understand that what is coming against you has a spiritual background. That Satan's plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy from you. And he will use natural situations. That's why Adam and Eve got to say, I mean, if the devil had walked up to Adam and Eve in his normal form, they would have recognized it was the devil. They would have been repulsed by it and gone, no, we're going to. And yeah, you know, if, if the devil walked into this room, we'd all go, ooh, it's the devil. Yeah. Right? And we'd do the whole get out of here, we're not taking that. But he doesn't. He says he disguises himself as an angel of light. Yeah. Sometimes he comes with the sweet honey of good intentions, of well-meaning comments, well, sometimes he just comes through other people with nasty comments and, and horrible things. Or it comes through sickness and pain or through financial difficulties or whatever the situation. And we look at it and we go, oh, and we get all into it and we pray and we speak the word of God and we wonder why nothing's happening. Yeah. 
But your first step is not to get up and fight. Your first step is to prepare for war. And you prepare for war by engaging with the Lord of hosts. And the Lord of hosts means he who has authority in the heavens over the angels. Over the cloud of witnesses. Over all those in heaven who will war for you. Because your battle is not down here, it's up here. And that's what happens here. This was not a battle of Joshua and the Israelites against these five kings. This was a battle in the heavenlies. And when the battle is won in the heavenlies, it's won here on earth. And it says the Lord started to fight for Joshua. And he gave him a word to stand on. He says, don't be afraid. I've given them into your hand. In other words, this has been defeated in the heavenlies. Now we defeated here on earth. And they go up there. You know what happens? God sends his massive hailstorm. And it kills off more soldiers than what the Israelites did. So he takes out more than half of them. Before they even get to engage. So by the time they get there, these guys are a bit knocked out. They're a bit wiped out. And they're like, there's only more less than half of us left. And they come down and they start to fight them. And they're starting to win and then there's an issue because the light, the sun's starting to set and things are going on there and it's like, well, hold on, we need, we, need, we need just things to stop for a bit. So Joshua speaks to the sun and to the moon and says, let's just hold everything where it is right now. We're holding the day at this point. We're going to finish this battle. And there's debates over whether it was an eclipse because it was an eclipse around that time and you know, it wasn't actually an eclipse and actually it was dark. It was like... Because the word that says the sun stands still is actually, you can also the same word for saying it to actually stop shining. Right? And so, it, you know, it says the sun and moon stand still. So it was an eclipse that it just, you know, created this sort of effect that was better for battle for them. You know, it gave them surprise. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What happened was, the earth stopped spinning. Work that out. For about a day. Because the sun doesn't revolve around the earth, just quietly. Earth revolves around the sun, you know. Earth spins. Sun on different things. We all know this, right? We're not flat earthers. You know? <laughs> what? I heard about flat earthers the other day. Yeah, the flat earthers believe Australia doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah. It's actually a huge conspiracy by NASA. Yeah. Get this, get this. That they've created this place and the pilots are all in on it. So that's you, Simon. You're in on this. <laughs> They're all in on it. That they fly to this land where there's a whole lot of actors, that's us, <laughs> walk around speaking with Australian accents. What's that got to do with the Because if the Earth's round, <laughs> how can that work? But it's flat, so it only has like this northern hemisphere bit. And so anything in the southern hemisphere doesn't exist because it wouldn't have its round. So. Couldn't it just be flat but really big? So, well, that's the other theory is that it's really big and flat and it's not that big. Anyway, the point is, you know, so, so this, the earth stops. And this battle finishes and then everything starts spinning again. 
Can you think about how many miracles God had to line up with the earth stopping? It didn't burn it. Gravity didn't disappear. But think about it. See, the point I'm trying to get across is God will move heaven and earth when you respond to his word. God will remove, he'll, he'll move whatever it takes to move for you to have your victory. But you have to start with his word. This is why we say to do, you know, get on that Read Scripture app and start reading through the Bible every day and be feeding, because that's the authority that you draw on. Like I said before, Joshua was the guy who, you know, Moses would go in the tent of meeting and he'd hang out, and when he came out, Joshua would go in and he'd be in the presence of God. He would be putting God into his life. And so when it came time for him to lead, he was ready. He knew how to hear from God. And you see, this is the problem that we, we often have is we face situations and we don't know how to hear from God because we haven't done the preparation work. We haven't spent that time every day putting in the Word of God. You know, I mean, when I was younger, I played a lot of sport. I played soccer, I played squash, I played basketball, I played volleyball, and often all in the same week. And I discovered that if I didn't eat, I didn't perform very well because I had no energy to burn. So I ate a lot because I burned a lot. You know, trained soccer twice a week. I played squash at least once or twice a week. Then you get into basketball season, then you got, you know, phys ed at sport, and then there's just having brothers in the backyard playing cricket and things like that. And so I had to put things in so I had something to draw on when it came time to do that. Mm -hmm. The problem came is when I stopped doing the sport, I was still putting it in. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. But if I don't, if you don't put it in, you can't draw on it. And that's how it is. That we are so defeated often in life because we don't put in every day the Word of God. That as you spend that time every day, every day, when the time comes, God brings it to your remembrance. What you need to overcome every situation. You see, you're a supernatural being. When you, when you said, you know what, I'm taking Jesus as Lord and Saviour, your old self died and you took on the full nature of God. You took on the full authority and power of heaven. And you're going, well, where is it? It's in the Word of God. It's in that relationship with Him every day. And if we don't put in that Word, we can't draw on that Word, and we can't walk into the victory and command it to change. You see, Joshua had victory after victory after victory. Then he had a couple of defeats, but he came around and turned them around, and they became victories. He had battle after battle after battle, and he kept going higher and higher and higher. I mean, he was 80 years old. When he's doing all this. He's not this young dude out there going, yeah, let's go. He was over 80. And he's going, next city, let's go. He's leading the army 80 into his probably 90s. And he defeats these major cities. 
Major kingdoms wipes them out, one after the other after the other. Because he can draw on the strength of the word of God. And it renewed him and it strengthened him. And he knew his authority and who he was in Christ. Well, not Christ then, but be Christ now. And it's the same for us. If you are putting the word of God in every day, it's not just something you do, oh, I need to do this, it's a religious thing, you know. So we do it, I've, done, I've read the word of God, okay, and uh, after a few days, oh, I've got... I'm talking about what will transform your life. Because I watch Christians all the time hitting situations and going into situations and, and sort of hoping that God will do something. Because they don't know who they are in God. They don't know the authority they have in God. Because they haven't spent time putting in the Word. And people say to me, well, don't read well. Well, then don't read so much. Just read one chapter. Watch the videos. Yeah. I just want to have a quick word. Something just jumped into my head and I want to share it. Is um, throughout the week I've been reading um, job applications and a lot of them say, do you know how to prioritise? Mm -hmm. And um, just as soon as Pastor Phil was saying that, it's like, do I know how to prioritise? So we have all these priorities in our life. Um, we get up, we go to work, we eat such and such do we know how to really prioritize so that when the time of battle comes we're ready and that's hugely valuable let me draw on that and talk about my work situation because my whole thing is helping people basically prioritize their life and manage their workflow that's what i do in my job right and it's almost like life coaching and leadership coaching and less than the one. And you know what's interesting? That those who actually, you know, I sit down with them and I go, okay, we've done this and we've planned out what you're doing. I said, now you need to start doing it. Let me know. For the first, for the first two or three weeks, maybe the first month, this is going to be hard for you. Because you're changing habits. And so I say, this is going to be difficult. You're going to start doing this and pressure's going to come in and you're going to go and do what you're used to doing. And then you're going to come back and go, oh, I've missed it. Okay, I need to get back into that flow. And you're going to go backwards and forwards. And it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for about two or three weeks. Because what they're doing is changing their work habits. At the moment, for a lot of these guys, they sit down and they're email driven. So the email comes in and they respond to their email. And then this person comes over and they respond to that. And it's all this stuff comes in and they keep responding to what's going on around them, and what's going around them controls what they do. Mm. And I go, you've got to change that circle. So that, you know, we say to them, you do your emails three times a day. When you first come in, you might go through, see anything urgent, you plan it out. Lunchtime, same thing, end of day, same thing. So you plan out what you're doing in there. And then you set times, and when people come, you go, look, I'm not available now, but I can see you at 2 o'clock, or I can see you at this time. Well, you have allocated time to catch up with them. And you know what that does? That empowers them, the people they're talking to, to actually go away and come up with their own solutions. 
So they become more effective and it raises their capacity. But they struggle. As I go through and do this, they struggle in their first two or three weeks because it changes how they manage their world. And as you start to go, you know what, I'm putting God's word as a priority, you're going to struggle. Because you're stepping into a spiritual battle. And the noise out there is going to try and steal from you because that noise is spiritual too. Because your battle is not against flesh and blood. And so you go, I'm going to get up a bit earlier and I'm going to read the Word of God. And you're going to go to bed and lay there. And lay there. Why don't I sleep? I need to go to sleep. Come to bed a little bit earlier so I can get up earlier. I'm still not asleep. Because you're in a spiritual battle. You went around that. Just start reading your Bible then. It works. You either do your Bible reading or fall asleep either way. <laughs> You've achieved the goal, right? But it works. It really works. Start praying in tongues. Just lay down and start praying. Alright? But see, this is where you've got to go, even if you go through that and your alarm goes off in the morning, you go, oh, I've had a lousy night's sleep, so I'm not going to get up. You know what Satan goes? Cool. Just put that one on your list. I want to stop you reading your Bible, I'm just going to get you that one on your list. Yeah? And that's what he'll do. So you've got to go, no, I'm getting up to do this. And you get up, and you do it. Because you have to take authority. You see, this is the word of life. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that? Yeah, well, Christy first, she's going first. <laughs> That kind of <laughs> uh, I was just reading something the other day which I thought was really great. I haven't done it yet, but it's on my priority list. Um, yeah, for people who, you know, whether they, you know, if they're reading the word and they might fall, start to fall asleep or, you know, praying is a bit of a struggle if they're kind of just sitting there and they start to get sleepy, um, go for a walk and just let that be your prayer time or let that be your Bible reading time. So even just chuck your ear pods in put on a Bible, like an audio Bible, and then go for a walk so that, you know, you're moving at the same time as you're receiving, so you're not just, yeah. Yeah, it's actually okay to fall asleep while you pray. It's okay. I've never found a reason why it's not okay. People go, but you don't pray. You actually learn to pray while you sleep. You know what I mean? I've discovered this. I mean, I mean, I work two jobs. We pastor the church. I work full time in another job. You know, my wife keeps disappearing the other side of the country and things like that. And um, I've got kids, and I've worked out that there's only so many hours in a day. So one, there's my challenge. If I can read my Bible, you can read yours. Yeah. But secondly, sometimes I'm praying, and I start to just doze off, and it's like. You can actually doze off in God's presence yeah. and just rest in Him, and, and it starts to you start to pray in your spirit. And I find myself laying there, and I'm praying in tongues like I'm sort of sleeping. Mm. It's really cool. Mm. And then you wake up and feel guilty, <laughs> and then you might have realised God doesn't do guilt. No. So the guilt's not from Him. Mm. Now, if you did it all the time, there's an issue. 
All right, but it's okay. Yeah? Yeah, just Phil, when you just said that um, that it's our life, I just kept thinking about um, when I had cancer <clears throat> and I was staying at my sister's and um, I just had this insatiable hunger to read God's word and I'd be up half the night and she'd come down the passage and say, um, what are you doing? You need your rest. I said, no, I've got to do this. This is... This is my life. This is going to heal me. And um, and God's word says that it's medicine, life to all our flesh. And he sends his word and heals us. Um, so, yeah, I just can testify to, yeah, the power of God's word to heal. It's where it is. So I really want to encourage you. Look, really putting life... I mean, you are made to do miracles. You are made to do amazing things. And there's actually one secret to it. God's word. That's actually the secret to breakthrough in your life. It's God's word. It has, this has every answer to every situation in here. And it's actually the life source that as you read it and you connect with Holy Spirit as you read it, brings life into you. And it's out of that that you'll be able to do miracles. It's out of that you'll see signs and wonders. It's out of that you'll change your circumstance. But you have to discipline yourself to do it. And in reality, it's not that big a discipline. It's 15 minutes. And I believe that you can find 15 minutes every day. I'm totally convinced about it. Because I know... You guys, I know what happens in your world. I know there's 15 minutes in there because you all haven't wasted away in the time I've known you. So therefore you're still eating. It takes about 15 minutes to eat a meal. Let it digest. So read it while you eat. You see, you might go, oh, but that's not spiritual. That's not. Start there. Start where you can. Which is better? 15 minutes of reading the word of God while you eat or spending days stressing about how you haven't gone and sat in God's presence and done this and that and then read the word of God. You want to start ascending into the heavens. You want to start being someone who walks up there who's getting revelation and downloads and knows what God wants to say. It starts in that simple thing of 15 minutes of reading the word of God every day and letting that grow. When you're ready to go bigger, God will challenge you. But it starts with that. And as you build that daily habit, by Easter, it'll be a habit if you start it today. By Easter, you'll be like, hey, I've done that every day. And it'll become a habit. And then you'll start to expand. It'll start to grow. And God will start to speak more to you and... Suddenly you're stepping into that authority. 15 minutes. That's my challenge. Now to Easter. 15 minutes every day, the Word of God. If you go, oh, but I've got this person here, that person, then read it with them. They'll either read it with you or leave. <laughs> Seriously. That's the bottom line. 
If they don't like what you're eating, you know, do it in your lunchtime at work. Oh, people around me might think I'm weird. Well, that's their problem. Not yours. You are weird. I'm sorry. The Bible says that. If you read it, you'd find that out. You're weird. You're already weird. You got up on a Sunday morning to come into this house to talk to this mystic being and hear about him. That's weird, right? So I said, you're already weird. You both will own it. The sooner you own it, the further you'll go. Seriously. Embrace your weirdness. I have. Can you tell? Yes. <laughs> We're weird brothers, dude. And if you want more encouragement, make sure you're on Jesus Central Messenger because Simon will encourage you all week with his spam. <laughs> And, and Amy will back it up. <laughs> anyway, back to the point. You are weird, so be weird. Be out there. You know, sit in your car. Play it. You can actually hit the audio. It'll play for you from an app while you're driving. But put the Word of God before your eyes and your ears. 15 minutes. And I promise you, by Easter, we'll start changing the world. You know, God's got amazing things for us. He's got amazing things for you. Don't get to the end of this year and go, oh, another year's over. You know, Chantelle's already looking forward to the end of the year because in November she gets her ears pierced. <laughs> I'm going, it's February. You know, I know I do the Christmas thing, but it's February. You know, but she's looking forward to that. That's what she's looking for. She's got a plan. Saved up, buy earrings, everything else to get her ears pierced because that's, you know, at 14 she's allowed to get her ears pierced. Do you want to get to November, Chantel's birthday, and go, wow, I could have been reading my Bible every day and I didn't. I could have my whole life changed, but I didn't. Are you going to waste the gift that this year is? Because I have a feeling that as we go through this year, God's going to start raising people up within this. I know, he's going to start raising people up. He has to. That we're going to start stepping up into higher places. And it's not that Dale and I are going to step out, but I sort of feel like we're going to step a little bit sideways and you guys are going to step up into the place that God has for you. Just like Moses was there and he made room for Joshua. You know, and Joshua made room for the 12 elders. And these people stepped into their place of authority and started to govern over what was theirs and what was around them. And that's what God wants to do in this place. But it comes out of that simple daily thing of reading the Word of God. Because that's where it draws from. That's what Holy Spirit puts in there and He draws out of that. And it becomes an authority that rises up within you that you start to govern over your situation and suddenly your home life is a whole lot smoother. And you start governing over your workplace and that starts to get smoother and you start taking ground and making changes. And then we come in together and you're governing in this place because you're drawing out of what God's got in there and you're walking in this higher authority. And it's not like you come in and going, oh, pull me up, pull me up. You're walking in up. And you're pulling others up and saying, let me show you how good my God is. And that weirdness starts to become infectious. 
and people around you start joining your weird group. And we grow as a bigger weird group. We saw this in Kalgoorlie. I remember we were sitting there with these young people, and I used to hate it, but I think I've told the story before, but, you know, I, I dreaded the Friday night youth. Because Friday nights was the sort of, was it 12 to about 14? 14-year-old girls. Basically, it was a group of 14-year-old girls. 13 to 14-year-old girls. And I, just, I used to love this, because we had two nights. The Saturday night was an older group, and they were you know, a bit more mature, and so it was... And they're mainly male. <laughs> but Friday night was this bunch of catty. They were catty. 13-year-old girls who were 13-year-old girls. And they'd come in and they'd divide into their groups. And they'd be, yeah, and, and this group would be fighting against that group. And, you know, forget the rest of the world. They were fighting with each other and stuff. And I'd sit there going, oh, 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 you know, just... I, I used to, to go, there's got to be some way around this. There's got to be someone else who can take this group. And they'd actually come into our house. And, but as we started to, we started talking to them about reading the Word of God. And they'd come in and we start to have God encounters. And they started to engage God. And they're going home and they started reading their Bibles. And within, it was literally a few weeks, wasn't it? Within a few weeks, this... Catty, I don't want to know anything about God. I'm only here because my parents said I have to come or I'm here because my friends are here. I don't want to know anything about it. Within a few weeks, and I'm talking like less than two months, they were going into the school, praying for their friends, finding the atheists and saying, come with me to youth group, I want you to see God. And they'd bring in their atheists. I remember one of their atheist friends came in and so we sort of asked her why she was an atheist because her mum was an atheist and she was anti-God. You know, God, and then God's not real. And so they said, can we pray for you? And she went, yeah, I don't care. So they said, just stand up. So she stood up and the paragon smacks this girl. She hits the ground. And her logic was, if you stand up long enough, you're going to fall down. <laughs> and she would have been, what, 30 seconds on her feet? It was hilarious. And there's another girl who, who had sprained her ankle, was all bandaged up and they were, you know, really bad, and they prayed for her, and she gets healed. This is 13-year-old girls who literally five, six weeks before were, I don't want to know about God. That's what the presence and power of God will do. But you've got to be putting it in. And we saw this youth group hadn't seen anyone saved, and it was 11 years or something. And within about a third month, we baptised 11 kids. First time salvations. That's what God did. Because they simply started reading the Word of God. That's what God's Word will do. It will transform you so that you won't care that you're weird. You'll think everyone else should be weird too. You'll lose that, I don't want to say anything, to the, I want to tell everybody because this is so cool. Because it won't be Dal or I or someone else doing the praying. It'll be you speaking into people's lives and seeing healings and seeing miracles and seeing signs and wonders. Because you've got God's stuff in you. So my challenge is, how you going with the Word of God? My challenge is 15 minutes every day. That's about all it takes when you're going through the, read through the Bible. 
My challenge is push through Leviticus. Head on through Numbers. There's a light on the other side. It's called Joshua. There's even a bit of Deuteronomy in there. My challenge is, do you really have God first in your life? Is he really more important than your job? Because I reckon you found time for your job this week. Well, see, sorry, you would spend less time on the app and more. <laughs> the time, and Simon so took Simon to and everyone else to respond to those messages. You could have read at least two chapters. I just want to finish for Philip. Um, this year we really sought the Lord during January, like December, January, like what is it that God, you know, wants us to do here and when you're like engaging and you know you're listening to what people are saying when you when you stop and you're praying or you're hearing things around the room being said it's like I felt like it's when we get in God's presence we see things and we go oh that's how I'm supposed to be or you hear something you go that's what God wants for my life but then there's your every day and there's this gap anybody there it's like what you see God wanting in your life, you read the word and you're like, oh, it's meant to be like this. You know, or above and not belief, a winner, not a loser, a success and not a failure, there's money in the bank, and all, you know, all those things. The family is peaceful, our children are angelic, you know, like our family, you know, we're healthy and whole and running our race, yes? That's what you see when you see the word. But when we see our everyday life, sometimes there's a massive gap or a gap. And one of the things that the Lord really laid on my heart was everybody's feeling the gap. We get frustrated with the gap. We get, yes, we can do it Sunday, Monday, Wednesday. But the rest of the time, it's like struggling with that gap. And I mean, I have that in my life. I'm like, there's a gap. And it's like, we sought the Lord about it. And one of the keys he gave us is this. This is one of the ways we close the gap. So when you come into God's presence and he starts to speak, and you can see your future and you can see the things that God has for your life and then you get discouraged when you look at your life right now, one of the keys is what Philip's been talking about, is how we close the gap is get strong in the word because it is mighty to bring down strongholds. It is mighty for us to know who we are in him and it's like all things become possible. But we won't know that if we're not putting in more of what God says about us than what the world says about us or our circumstances or our past screams at us. This is how we overcome. This is how we become the people that God speaks from heaven. Because he won't do anything unless he speaks it first. He always talks first. But there has to be a closing of the gap. And so one of the keys is this. That book there, get it on your app. And if you don't read well, put audio on. Because lots of people don't. Or ask the Lord to help you. Say, Lord, I, 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 I have trouble reading or processing. Ask the Lord to help. And he will. Smith Wigglesworth couldn't read except the Bible. He couldn't read anything except the Bible. It's like God will help you. But this is one of the ways that we close the gap on what we see is possible and how our life lives out every day. What we see is possible for our finances, our health, our families, our future. We know what we want. We just sometimes have trouble getting there. This is one of the keys. Amen? So let's do it. Amen. Time to eat. Ah, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you love us so much, much that you labour with us. 
to just really get us to where we, we need to be, Lord. And so I pray this week especially that you would help us to get into your word, that you'd help us to understand Holy Spirit and to be disciplined and to eat it like food, to see it like it's food, Lord, and we need it. And that as we eat it, it'll bring strength and comfort and revelation and wisdom and we'll have just knowledge of how to handle things. Lord, I pray for blessing to be released on businesses and finances and families, Lord, because you say that if we obey your commands, we are blessed and that it just releases and opens a window of heaven over our life. So, Lord, I pray as we walk in this that we would see real manifest results from it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.